Well, good morning. Hey, I'm Pastor Tim. Uh, if I've met you before, I would love to meet you. Figure out where to put my mask here. Uh, I would love to meet you afterwards. Uh, I am uh, the multi-site pastor here. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. So whether you're in person or uh, online, really glad you could join us this morning. Uh, if you're online or if you're in person, go ahead and take out your phone and click share on your Facebook page or wherever platform you're watching it from or text the link to a friend and invite them to church. It's a really cool day and age that literally in the moment you can just invite someone to join you for church. That's, that's incredible. Like I get it, frustrating, it's different, but it's pretty cool, isn't it? That's a pretty cool thing. Uh, it's a weird season that we're in overall. Uh, Christmas in a pandemic, how many of you have done that before? No, right, no one. I mean, we're just trying to figure this out, trying to figure out how to get shopping done in a pandemic, uh, which essentially looks like same as last year, order everything on Amazon. Uh, but in that process of figuring out uh, what the best gift is for somebody, inev inevitably you're running into an obstacle with some people who are just like really hard to get a gift for. Probably either because you don't know them well or you know them really well, or uh, if you're like me and I have my wife and she is everything I'll ever need in this life and already the greatest gift I could receive. So I don't need anything else. Um, so maybe, but you're not married to my wife because only I am. And so you probably have uh, needs beyond that and difficult to buy for, or honestly, you just, you're at a stage in life where you don't have a lot of needs or wants or you just buy it throughout the year anyways. And it's, it's hard to figure out what's, what's best because uh, when it comes to giving gifts, we understand that what we want and what we desire is generally related to the best thing that's available, and we might have that already. Or what would be offered we don't need. This passage today is going to help us understand, though, something that everybody needs given to them. Everybody needs it, no matter whether or not they think they need this. Everybody in this life needs help. Look at the person next to you and say, you need help. <laughs> Some of you enjoyed that a little too much. <laughs> you need help help. We all need help. I can tell you 100% of the people on stage right now need help. We all need help. And what Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16, which is where we're going to be today, is going to teach us is that God gives us the gift of help in Jesus Christ. And that Jesus isn't just one thing among many things that you need. He is the best and greatest need and the best fulfillment of that need. Jesus is the best and Jesus is or can be your all. Everything you could ever want or desire in this life. What you have been designed for, what you have been created for in the image of God is fully satisfied in Jesus Christ. He can be your all and you can trust him to help. He can help. 
No matter the stage or the situation or the life or the culture or the government or wherever you find yourself, He can help. He is the best. He is my all. I will trust Him. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 applied. So before we jump into that text, or as you're finding it, Hebrews is in the New Testament, you're going to, as you're looking for that, let me ask you a question to prepare our hearts and minds for what this really means today. Because we don't mean best as in He's better than uh, some other options. We don't mean that He can be my all in just my spiritual life or whatever. We don't mean that we can trust Him, you know, for some things. When the Bible says that He is the best, that He is your all, and that you can trust Him, it means that He is the best, He desires to be your all, and that you can trust Him with everything everywhere at all times. But we're often guilty of falling into the trap that Jesus is the best, but there's actually something better for this area of life. That Jesus is my all or can be my all for most things. And I can trust Jesus except for this where I'm going to trust something else. You see, we're really good at saying this, but living this is something really hard, and that's what the writer of Hebrews is digging into with the audience of Hebrews that would have been reading this text originally. Uh, To prepare our hearts, I want to ask you a question. How would you answer uh, in each scenario I provide, what is the best thing they need? Whether it's something they need to hear or something they need uh, in this life, in each situation, what is the best thing they need? And now the answers are between you and God. I'm not going to ask you to call out or uh, put up a poll or something because that uh, I don't know how to do that. But uh, but what is the best thing they need? Okay, ready? Scenario number one: ten-year-old uh, girl who is trying to figure out, as every 10-year-old girl does, and every woman in this room can attest to that, do I look okay? Trying to figure out why uh, the other girls at school or whoever they're looking at on TV or on their Instagram feeds, which if you have a 10-year-old, do not let them get on Instagram. Honestly, it's a terrible idea. Okay, that's sidetrack. Trying to figure out why their hair doesn't flip just right, uh, staring, if you remember, um, I was never a 10-year-old girl, but uh, you remember uh, staring at yourself in the mirror trying to figure out, like, is that, is that normal? You know, like, is my nose or my hair or just whatever trying to, okay, what would you, if you had a chance to sit down and have coffee, because 10-year-olds drink coffee now, if you drink coffee with her, what would you, what would you tell her? Is the, what's the best thing you could tell her? Different scenario. A 16-year-old boy who just lost his family to a bombing living in Beirut, born and raised in that city, and a clash of worldviews between Beirut and Jerusalem. And three days ago, boom, a bomb went off, his family passed away, and now he's left alone. What is the best thing you could tell that guy? 
Uh, how about another scenario? A 24-year-old born with the name John now goes by Jasmine and uses the pronouns she, hers, and her. What is the best thing if you could have coffee with her? What would you tell that person? A 37 or 38-year-old who's back up to her backup to her backup, or back up to his back up to his back up uh, for marriage in life. It was like the shoe-in option from high school uh, or whatever. Uh, just got married to somebody else, and now they're feeling like there are no options. They are alone, and they think with the, the desire of their heart to have kids and be married will never, ever be fulfilled. A different scenario, 59-year-old uh, who has had a fantastic career. Uh, she has just absolutely killed it at every level, has all the money that she will ever need, is looking at retirement. None of her kids are in jail. They're doing okay. Uh, probably has a couple of grandkids. Marriage is good. What's the best thing you could tell her? A different scenario, 78-year-old who, a widower, just lost uh, his wife and has known no other way of life for the last 53 years and is just trying to figure out dinner, you know? Like, what does that look like now? Like, just navigating the social and then just the microwave, those things, trying to figure out how does this work together? What is the best thing you could tell that person? A group of um, uh, 30 um, pastors working in difficult parts uh, of Southeast Asia, uh, wondering not only along with the pandemic, but with the other cultural realities that they're under with both government, local, and national persecution from uh, around and within. If you had a chance to have coffee with them and they said, I just want to hear what, what's the best thing you could tell me? What is the best thing you could give them? The best thing that you would say, the best thing they could receive. What would you say? You, you know, the, the Bible gives an answer in Hebrews 12, 14 through 16, about the best thing they need to know. And, and the truth is simple, but that doesn't mean it's not complicated. The truth is simple, but that doesn't mean it's not nuanced and multifaceted in application. One of the difficulties which, with preaching such a profound text is realizing the great and grandiose idea that Jesus is the best. He is my all. I will trust him. Realizing that and now bringing it down to real life and going to that 10-year-old or that 16-year-old or that 24-year-old or that 38-year-old or that 59-year-old or that 78-year-old and saying, I understand what's going on in life, but you need to know Jesus is the best. How did you answer that question? What would you say to them? Because the honest answer, y'all, don't fake Christianity this morning. The honest answer, if you were to say before that person, I would tell them that they need to blank, 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 and blank. If it's something other than Jesus, you need to ask God, why is it that I see something else as better than Jesus for them? And then why is it that I often see something other than Jesus as best for me or you for you? You see, this, this text 
comes in with the context, the understanding, believe it or not, how the Bible works, of Hebrews chapters 1 through the first half of chapter 4, leading into 4, 14 through 16. 4, 14 through 16 is, is a, uh, what I call a hinge text. It's, it's uh, 1, 1 through 4, and then 5 through 8, and they come together right on this text, and they kind of swing on it. It's summarizing one and introducing you to the next. And this assumption coming into the text is then explained in chapters 5 through 8. And the assumption found in chapter 4, verse 14, is this, let us therefore, uh, uh, since we have a great high priest. When the writer of Hebrews says, we have a great high priest, here's what he's saying. Jesus is the best you could ever imagine. Do you know why we can say that in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16? Because he just spent the first four and a half chapters telling us this. In chapter 1, Jesus, uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews, tells us that Jesus is the greatest preacher and the greatest message that you could ever receive. That long ago, in many times and in many ways, God spoke by the prophets. But in these days, he spoke to us by his son, Jesus Christ, who is the heir of all things and through whom he made everything. There is no better revelation of God than the great preacher, the great message of Jesus Christ for the salvation of the world, for the purification of sin, seated now at the right hand of God, having the greatest power over all principles, principalities, and powers, and authorities forever. That's where he goes in chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. He is the greatest power that you could imagine. He is the greatest power that exists beyond anything you could imagine. That all things have been subjected to Jesus Christ. All things are placed under his feet. He stands on top of all rulers and all governments and all cultures and all of time and every person forever and says, this is mine. I rule this. Jesus is the greatest power. He is the greatest gift, the greatest present that could be received. There is no present like the present of Jesus that, is, that atones for the sin that you have in your life. There is no purchase that can be made that is better than the purchase that you were purchased by Jesus and his blood on the cross so that you could be redeemed forever having life and a relationship with God. He is the greatest present. He is the greatest propitiation. Y'all look at the person next to you and say propitiation. That's good because I need to take a breath there. Propitiation. Propitiation um, is a, it's a theological term uh, that means satisfaction, but it's satisfaction uh, because of a particular result. When we say propitiation, uh, what, the, uh, what Hebrew, the author of Hebrews means, and what Pastor Eric preached last week, propitiation is um, uh, satisfaction uh, that produces joy because of the results, and also satisfaction that's in place of, uh, because of what's there, the wrath that was there. So the Bible claims that Jesus Christ is the greatest joy to the heart of God, the greatest place by which his wrath against you and against me because of our sin was satisfied, and now how we are restored fully, having joy in him, bringing joy to God because of Christ within us. He is the greatest propitiation. There is no way to satisfy God apart from Christ. 
And you who are made in the image of God are made to be satisfied in Christ alone, just as God is satisfied by Christ. He is the greatest propitiation. He is the greatest prophet priest found in chapter 3, verse 1. There is none who has stood before God like Jesus, and there is none who has stood to represent God like Jesus. He represents you as the greatest prophet priest, and he represents God as the greatest prophet priest. There is none like him. Not even Moses could hold a candle to Jesus Christ. He is the greatest prophet priest. He is the greatest pathway to peace with God. There is no other way. He is the way and the truth and the life. He is the greatest pathway to peace with God. Chapter 4 tells us, and 3 through 4 tells us that he is the greatest peace you could ever have. This is what the author of Hebrews means. Since we have a great high priest. The author of Hebrews means he is the greatest preacher. He has the greatest power. He is the greatest present. He's become the greatest propitiation. He is the greatest prophet priest. He is the best and only pathway to peace with God. And the peace that you find is the greatest peace you can ever have. That's what the author of Hebrews means when he says, since we have this great high priest, Jesus is the best. And there is no other on the level of Jesus Christ. That's what the author of Hebrews means. He's the best. He's uh, what I like to call our infinity plus one high priest. Do you, do you remember in elementary school uh, having counting contests or you see kids do this, right? Like they're learning to count. We're learning to count in my house. I would say we because sometimes I don't get it right, but like, you know, teaching my son, and, uh, and there's like new levels of counting and, and, and uh, base 10 uh, system, which is what we have, I guess, or at least if I remember right. And so like you get to 10, and then, and then after 10 comes, y'all, seriously? And then after 10, someone type 11 online, help, <laughs> help us in the room. And after 10 comes 11, and then uh, you keep on going, and then you get to like, 19, which is just weird, and then uh, you go to 20, like, wait a minute, and then this pattern begins to emerge until you get to 100, and that's a new level. I mean, like, just not even in the realm of thinking in my house right now. So, you have the kids, and you've seen this before, and they say, um, how high, I can count higher than you or whatever, you know, and no, I can count to 100, and so, no, I'll prove it, and then they, like, count to 100, and they're like, well, I can count to 200. And then some kid always says, oh yeah, I can count to a thousand. And they're like, nah, like, prove it. And so they spend their 23-minute recess counting to a thousand, which is like, on the, and they're the king. Until like the next day, a kid comes in and was like, well, yeah, well, I could count to, you know, a million. And then another guy like 11 billion or whatever. And then eventually, eventually, this leads to someone saying, well, I could count to infinity, you know, until usually the smart aleck kid with ADHD who just wants to argue all the time, that was me, says, oh yeah, I could count to infinity plus one. Boom, right? Microphone dropped. How do you beat that? You can't. You can't beat infinity plus one. Because the idea is this, it's not just the highest, it's higher than the highest, and you can't approach that. Here's the deal. Jesus Christ is your infinity plus one high priest. 
There is no one greater. Uh, the fancy theological terms are, uh, he's uh, the, the type of all the anti-types. Uh, oh, the peace that God offers in the Old Testament, he is the fulfillment. Uh, the prophets that God offers in the Old Testament, he is the fulfillment. The preaching that God offers in the Old Testament, he is the fulfillment. The propitiation, the sacrificial system that God offers in the Old Testament, he is the fulfillment. The peace, uh, the, the, the promised land that God talks about in the Old Testament, he is the fulfillment. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment. He is the best. He is the infinity plus one of all systems ever created that point to anything good. Jesus is the best. And he's not just the best. This text tells us what to do with that truth. So let's go back to how we answered the question for each scenario, or make one up of your own. What would you say is the best thing for them? Again, nuanced, I understand. Applying it, uh, it it's tricky, uh, and that's why uh, pastoral uh, approaches and counseling and walking through, what does this look like lived out? Uh, but really at the core of it, what would you say was the best thing they need. Well, the temptation for us is to claim that we believe Jesus is the best, yet when it comes to holding on to this truth, to the practical realities and celebrations as well as tribulations of life, man, we let it go so easily. You see, the people that the author of Hebrews was writing to also had the same obstacle with that as you do. Not only does the author of Hebrews want them to know Jesus is the best, but to do something with that. Are you ready for what he wants them to do? Because this is what he wants you to do with it. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, like literally it's like infinity plus one. He doesn't go any higher like that. There is no higher level. Like there's, it's him and that's it. No one else up there with him. Let us hold fast our confession. The confession that Jesus Christ is the best. The author of Hebrews says, you hold fast to that. Uh, uh, those that are in the Navy that are on uh, boats or big ships or whatever, they know what the term hold fast is, Right? Uh, for the rest of us, the idea of holding fast is you hang on, you do not let go, you don't let it budge even for an instance. Uh, when I was uh, in the military, we were helping raise this wreck that had been down for a while, and we needed it to come up because there were it just needed to come up. It's, you know, part of the job. And so, uh, we'd come up with this uh, salvage plan and uh, figured out, well, I didn't figure anything out. I was an E3. I just did what I told. You know, I was told to hold a rope, so I held a rope. That's what I did. But like every other, everyone else who's super smart, they figured this out. And so um, my rope was a, 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 a five-inch double braid synthetic hauser line, and um, it uh, was wound around um, a, uh, a, a bullock and went to a cleat on the boat and was secured there under the water or whatever. And, um, uh, and as we began to uh, bring the boat up, it was um, supposed to come my way, the, the way the salvage plan worked out and Boyle's Law or so, I don't know, however it all works. And so uh, it began to go the other way, which is not good. 
it's not good because um, my line has a braking strength of 87,000 pounds or something like that. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Whatever the, y'all can look up the towing manual later and correct me. And I'll take it. Uh, and so it began to go up the other way and put strain on the line. Okay, I, I tell you that to say this. In that moment, here's what happens when a line goes under tension uh, that's holding something, especially a line that thick. It began to, uh, you guys in the, middle, in the Navy will know exactly what this feeling is like. I was holding onto the line, and then it went tight poof, and popped. And it began to drip water, and then it began to hum. And you're going, this is, this is not good. Right? This, this, I don't feel like this is a good thing. I don't know if this is going to hold. But then it gets even scarier. It begins to hum, and then it begins to smoke and pop. Pop, pop, pop. And smoke everywhere because there's so much energy being held in that line. It doesn't matter the weather. It is immediately turning the moisture in the rope to heat or whatever. I don't know. And so I was sitting there holding the line, and I thought, this thing is going to break. And here's what I do know. Here's what I do remember. Uh, the snapback on a uh, double braid synthetic hauser is 500 feet per second. That's like 600 miles an hour or something, right? Like that, that means when it snaps, I'll never know it. I just, I won't. I won't even feel it. I'll just, it'll just happen. And, uh, and that's it. And so I, I know that that's true. And so I'm looking around like, what do, I, what do I do here? And then my master diver, he came out of nowhere and he said, Whitney, hold fast that line. And he said other things, but that's what he said. <laughs> and I thought, but I'm going to die. But he's going to kill me. You know, like, what do I do here? And so I did what I know to do. It didn't feel right. It was incredibly scary. But I said, I think it's going to break. He said, that line will hold. Hold fast that line. And so I held fast the line. And you know what? It didn't break. You know why? I'm here still, you know? <laughs> hold fast the line. Because my life and the mission depended on it. My life depended on it because Master Driver's going to kill me if I let go. And the mission depended on it because if I let go, then it goes where it shouldn't go. And that's a bad thing. This is... The, that, that moment, that picture of holding on and not giving an inch and trusting that it will hold. This confession that Jesus is the best becomes a reality when we learn the dynamic of holding fast to this confession that no matter what comes our way, we don't give an inch on the reality that Jesus is is best. We hold fast to this truth, even if it doesn't feel like it. Y'all, if, if we are being honest, if, I mean, I, okay, I'll just tell you, sometimes I feel like, is this like, is this real? Is, it, is this really going to work? Like, God, are you, are you really going to do this here? Because I'm holding on, but it doesn't feel like it. Even in those moments where we hold fast to this confession, and here's why. If you feel weak like that, here's why. Look at where the, verse, where, where the writer of Hebrews goes in verse 15. For, here's the reason we can hold fast. For, 
We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Here's the motivation for holding fast to the line, because Jesus Christ is our great high priest. There is no one who knows you better, knows how to represent you better, knows how to absolve your sin better, knows how to be in your weakness better than Jesus Christ himself. He knows your weaknesses better than you do because he has gone beyond where you fall and he has conquered sin once and for all. And we know that because of his cross and his death and his resurrection and his being alive in us. Jesus Christ, our, our infinity plus one high priest, goes way beyond your weaknesses, knows how to sympathize, feel with you in your weaknesses, and we hold on to that truth as followers of Jesus. He, this is the gospel, right? Like, the beautiful reality that you and your sin and your faults and your failures and your weakness that where that failed, where death reigned, grace abounded all the more, didn't it? That the depth of your depravity, God dug deeper in the gospel. That the height of your sin, God's love goes higher because of the gospel. That you understand the beginning of the gospel is the confession that all of my sin forever, God went beyond them to redeem me and rescue me in ways I didn't even know. This is the truth. Our high priest can sympathize with us in our weakness. Everything about me becoming all for him. He is my all. Everything about that 10-year-old, everything about that 16-year-old, everything about that 24-year-old, everything about that 38-year-old or that 59-year-old or that 78-year-old, or everything about you, God desires everything about you to be all about Jesus. And here's the temptation. Here's the temptation. To say Jesus is our all in all, but to only let him be some of some. And so here's... Here's what the writer of Hebrews wants them to see. Because this, this is what they were doing, man. Just, just read the book of Hebrews and see the, the argument that the author is bringing to counter what they were thinking. They were somehow thinking that, man, if I just had a better message, then I'd be okay. I, I laugh at people who think I'm going to go to a different church because I'm not feeling fed. I'm like, just, listen, okay, go for it. You know, like it's, you're going to be in the same position three years there. It's just how it works. Man, it's not a better message. Because you see the best as something other than Jesus. The people that are here in the book of Hebrews, they were, they were thinking that, man, if we could just go back to the days of Moses and Joshua, if we could go back to the day, that's when, you know, the promised land and all of that. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, all of that points to Jesus. Jesus is the best of all of that. Listen, the temptation is to realize that Jesus wants to be our all in all right now, in this moment, and then say, but not really. No, that's not what the author of Hebrews wants you to see. And that's not what God wants us to walk away with this morning, that Jesus is the best for you in this moment. And he is and can be your all in everything forever from now until eternity. That's the scope of our great high priest. Man, he's not just a little high priest. He's like the great one. Jesus is our infinity plus one high priest. He's the best. There's nothing better. He is my all. 
He knows who I am to the depth of who I am. He knows me better than I know me. And last but not least, verse 16, that with this beautiful reality that Jesus is the best and He desires to be your all, you've got to know you can trust Him. You can trust Him. Look at verse 16. The author of Hebrews writes this. He says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you guys uh, remember the story of the prodigal son? If you don't, it goes something like this. Luke 15, check it out, read it for yourself. You're going to want to read it. Great parable that Jesus tells to help people understand the heart of God toward those who need help, leave Him, but come back to Him ultimately for their help. Uh, Hebrews 15 uh, says something like, or uh, Hebrews 15, that doesn't say this. Uh, uh, the, prodigal, the story of the prodigal son goes something like this. A father had two sons, uh, and the younger son went to his father and said, Father, give me my inheritance. And now in that day, you got your inheritance when the father was about dead or was dead. And to ask for it early would have been a slap in the face to the father saying, I wish you'd just die already. And so the father broke his heart and gave the son his inheritance. And the prodigal son went and spent lavishly, prodigal, spent lavishly on whatever he wanted. He had went to parties and he had lots of good food uh, and he sinned a whole, whole lot. But he had no source of income and eventually found himself uh, friendless, alone, and working by feeding pigs going from having everything to essentially the lowest job available for anybody, putting pig stuff in a pig trowel so that the pigs could eat. And he couldn't even eat the pig food. He was so hungry and sitting in the muck and the mire of that pig sty, it finally hit him, you know, I, I think my dad can help. I, I think that if he were to forgive me, I know his servants eat way better than this. And so, like, maybe if, 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 if my dad would forgive me enough to let me be a servant, then, um, then I would be okay, and I could eat. And so, he comes up with this, this forgiveness speech, and he comes back from being in a foreign place, away from his father, in the muck and mire of his own decisions, and he begins to walk and he makes his way down the road or driveway where his house is, and it says that his father was looking out for him, and when he saw his son, he ran to meet him. And, I mean, just, okay, just think about this for a minute. Think about this for a minute. Uh, your, your family member essentially says, I wish you were dead. Give me what's coming. I never want to talk to you again and then you watch them waste it, and then you see them. Listen to the heart of the father in the prodigal son. He looks at the, he looks at the son, 
And here's what he says to him. Here's what he says to him. And the son begins this, this, this story, uh, this uh, rehearsed speech of forgiveness because he realizes, like, I, I have sinned against you. The father doesn't even let him finish his speech, gives him a massive hug, and says, it is time to celebrate because my son who is dead is now alive. Wrap him up. He's, man, he's dirty. We got to get him a coat back on. Restore him fully. Put a signet on his finger. That means uh, fully, that's a, a sign of who has power in this household. We're going to fully restore this guy. My son that was dead is now alive. Kill, kill the, 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 the choice uh, sacrifice, or, uh, not sacrifice, sheep. Kill the fatted calf. Man, we're having a party. We are celebrating. My son is home. He is restored. Do you know, listen, do you know what the prodigal son found in the father that you find in God because of Jesus Christ, our great high priest? You don't find condemnation uh, when you come to the throne of God because of Jesus. You don't find uh, 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 damnation to hell because of Jesus. You find those things have been placed on Christ that you receive his life. You receive a mercy and grace, verse 16, and help in your need. When you come to, our, to God through our great high priest, Jesus, who is the best, you got to know he wants to be your all, and you can trust him. You can trust him to help. You can trust him to be all. You can trust him to be the best. You can trust him. Him. And when you come to his throne for help, because of Jesus, our great high priest, who can sympathize with us in our weakness, you find a God who looks out and says, you've come home to me. Rest now in my presence. Here's mercy and grace and help in this need. But there's a warning in that. You see, we find safety. We find safety in the presence of God as followers of Jesus. And though that we're safe, we, we don't stay the same. Like the prodigal, there is a process of walking through life and putting on a coat of righteousness, taking off the things that so easily ensnare us, all of the things that Scripture tells us to do of putting away the flesh and living in the Spirit, of embracing this reality that Jesus is the best in everything forever, for all people in all times forever. He is my all, and I will trust Him. So, what do we do with this text? Well, if you are a follower of Jesus, you just need to know that Jesus is the greatest preacher. Jesus is, has the greatest power. There is no power on earth that rivals or parallels or is somehow uh, 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 delegated apart, uh, from Jesus Christ. Not once from his ascension to his coming back does he ever delegate his throne to anybody. He's the next one that comes. He is the greatest power. He is the greatest gift. Believer in Jesus Christ, you need to know the, the greatest gift you can receive is Jesus. You, you've got to know that. He is the greatest power. 
propitiate, the greatest satisfaction. You need to know as a follower of Jesus, you, the greatest satisfaction you'll find is in Christ and in Christ alone. You need to know as a follower of Jesus, He's the only pathway to peace and the greatest peace you can ever have. So if you're a follower of Jesus in here today and you've been looking for something that's great, that's apart from Christ, here's the gift that God gives you as a follower of Christ. He gives you the gift He gave you at the beginning, that Jesus is the best. If you're a follower of Jesus, ask yourself the question and answer honestly to the Lord. What is it that I see as the best thing in my life? To help answer that, there's a couple of questions that are helpful. Uh, for example, it might be helpful to ask, what do I worry about? Now, obviously, there's things that you ought to worry about. Like if, you know, Tolson was uh, walking on the edge of a cliff, I would worry. That's, that, that's, that's appropriate. But what I mean is, what's the thing that man, it just eats you up on the inside that you're losing sleep over, that you're refusing to give any on. What is the thing that is taking over your soul? What's the thing you fight most for? The thing that if it did not happen, uh, you do not think that life could go on uh, as you've always known it, and you've known it pretty good. What do you worry about? What do you think is the best solution for those you talk with. Again, if it's not Jesus and it's something else, you need to ask God, why? Why is it that I've allowed something else to be seen and dethroned Jesus as the best? That's, that's a place we need to ask the Lord to help us see. So, if you're a follower of Jesus in just a minute, you're going to go through that exercise. God, what do I see is truly the best God, would you help me to see you as the best of all things? Like, really? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this morning, man, you need to hear, He is the best message you could ever hear. There is no other message, there is no other preaching, there is no other preacher other than Jesus Christ that could take away the penalty of your sin by becoming the sacrifice of your sin so that you could have perfect eternal life with God forever. You need to hear that. You need to hear if you're not a follower of Christ that Jesus is the greatest power. You're not going to find a better one out there. It's not even like, I don't know, it's a close competition between him and some leader somewhere. That's not even how it works. All things are in subjection to Him. He is the greatest power. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to hear the reality that He's the greatest present you could receive. Man, this Christmas, if you have, find, have someone, if you have uh, uh, someone that doesn't know Jesus that you have to buy a gift for and you're not sure what to get them, I know what you could get them. <laughs> Man, they are the greatest gift that could be received. Uh, Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to hear, man, he is the greatest satisfaction that your heart longs for. You're designed, you're designed to be, to be satisfied by God alone, and everything else will always fall short. It's like the, the difference between 
Uh, I follow a lot of hiking blogs because I like to hike. It's fun. And it's like the difference between when I see a picture of a sunset over a mountain in a hard-to-get-to uh, hard place and when I'm at a sunset over a mountain in a hard-to-get-to place. Like my, my soul is not designed to be satisfied by a picture. The picture points to the greater reality of every sense that I have being enveloped in that moment by the beauty that's before me. That's, that is a picture of how you are designed by God to not be satisfied by lesser things, but to only be satisfied in Christ alone. You are made in His image. That's why you have that. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not going to find satisfaction anywhere else. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that you're not going to find a better leader than Jesus Christ. That's what a prophet priest was in the Old Testament before they became separate. Moses was a prophet priest. When they said, we want Moses, they were saying, we want a leader like that. You're not going to find a better leader to follow than Jesus Christ alone. And he is coming back to actually literally be followed. Like he is coming back, not someone, not an emissary. He's coming back. He is the greatest leader. He is the best and only pathway to peace with God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to know, in summary, that Jesus is the best. And He is the best, He is the best, He is the best to help you with everything in life. That's what the Bible teaches. So that being said, let's respond to this now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are a follower of Jesus, I would ask you today to ask God the question, what do you see as best? And if it isn't Jesus Christ, I mean, truly, honestly, it's between you and Him. If it's not Jesus Christ, then ask God to help you navigate what it looks like to see Jesus as best for that area of your life. If you don't know how to do that at the end, we're going to have some pastors up here, and we can help you navigate that too. We're and just navigating life's journey together with Jesus as well. We're trying to, that's what we do. And so that being said, if, you're not a fo- if you are a follower of Jesus today, ask him to help you figure out how to see that Jesus as best for that area. If you aren't a follower of Christ and you're in here today and you would say that I see my need I see that I need to see Jesus as the best for everything. That God's beginning to open your eyes and kind of awaken your spirit to this new reality that maybe you've heard before, but it didn't draw you to Him like it is right now. If that's you, I want you to know that the way to see Jesus as best, the way that He becomes your all, the way that He helps you begins with a relationship with Him through believing in the gospel. Where you come to a place where you say, I I know that I've sinned, and God, you can do the best thing about it. And the best thing that God has done, which is the only pathway to peace with Him, is to pay the penalty for your sin to be the propitiation, the satisfaction to God of the debt that you owe and avoid His wrath. 
where you both get to be out of bad standing with God and now in good standing with God, the same standing that Christ has in his holiness, in his righteousness, and his perfection. You are now made righteous and holy and beyond reproach. And in that standing where God would now walk with you forever to help you in your time of need, that his throne would be a place not where there's condemnation and judgment against you. That's against Jesus. Your sin will still be paid for, but it'll be paid by him and not you. But rather at the throne of grace, you find grace and mercy and confidently come forever and say, I need help. And he says, welcome home. I'm here to help. If God has awakened your heart to that reality today, unlike any other time, would you right now in this moment pray a prayer like this? Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sin. And that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, you also give me brand new life. God, I ask that you would make Jesus the best of my life. I ask that you would make him everything for me. And God, I ask that you would help him to help me follow you. If you prayed that prayer and you're in this room at the end, we're going to have some pastors at the front. We'd love to talk with you and share with you next steps. If you're online joining in with us, I'd ask that you would email pastor at firstnorfolk.org. We'd love to follow up and share with you what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, talk about some next things. But that being said, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing one last song together so we can walk out of here more in love with Jesus and more like him than when we came in. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. We ask, God, that you would give us the courage and conviction to respond appropriately to you, that we would walk out of here seeing you as our best, that we would walk out of here seeing Jesus as our all in all, that we would walk out of here seeing Jesus as our help and able to help. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.